0: And we become a being that has no past no past memories no and that is level seven well level seven consciousness is a point where you are aware of everything and everything all at once it's very disconnected to the materialistic um perspective that you might have on level three it's like bringing your consciousness into like almost a a, an ocean of awareness
1: of being in where you are connected with everything and realizing more and more that there has been no past there's no future it's a process of unfolding and unfoldness that ends in level eight consciousness which basically means that everything becomes so dense so much packed that the observer and the observed is becoming unified the whole universe becomes unified time everything every concept every thought everything becomes so dense that it's a unified version of the universe in that moment we we have the unfolding new version of the universe are you still an individual going through those levels of consciousness all the way up or are you part of the collective at that point of the source that is to be decided on so look the The decision of the observer becomes more and more important the more we went through these kind of densities on levels of consciousness. It means that becoming aware that you are the center of your own creation is something that will change the perception of your own experience. You can at level five still be an individual. You can still have a personality a realization
0: or a concept of I, but it is integrated in a collective I system or a collective we more to speak that we understand. We are something we have properties to ourselves. We have a history to ourselves. We are memory, condensed memory in that way. But we are also this this chair. We are all the people watching. We are everything. So we are we are this living paradox
1: of being a personality while being every personality. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Tim,
2: for being on the show. It's my pleasure, Emory. I'm Emory Smith, and this is Cosmic Disclosure. Until next time.
3: Next on Cosmic Disclosure. Clone is basically just a copy. It's It's essentially a soulless copy of a person. There are
1: beings that look like humans, which are approachable. You can talk to them, but
3: they are not conscious of the unit And often when we go to them we find that these are rogue covert programs
2: that the people in charge of know nothing about They don't even know that they're operating yeah. But are you guys aware of any corporations that are making clones for their own agendas? Yes Kind
0: of reminds me of Vanilla Vanilla Sky. You know that um, the movie about it's kind of that's the premise where the everybody's a clone or something. <laughs>
2: disclosure, we are with Tim, a tactical advisor from Germany who analyzes and suggests various strategies in relation to extraterrestrial groups in contact with Earth. Also joining us today is Captain Randy Kramer, who claims to be the public spokesperson for the United States Marine Corps Special Section. Welcome, gentlemen. Today is going to be a very Uh intriguing episode because we're going to be talking about hybrids and clones. So I'll start off by saying I think
3: we're kind of a, a hybrid type. You guys think about that absolutely i mean everything that i understand we have a mix of dozens or potentially more than a hundred different types of dna into our system over thousands and thousands of years so yeah i, I basically every single person on the planet is a hybrid of some kind or another it, so and I understand. A, who do you think uh, started this so there could
0: be a natural evolution that doesn't you know necessarily need any manipulative species or something but so to my knowledge it's a about 12 species when you spoke
1: about at least 20 25 or something yeah. potentially even more influences when they're small bits of data infused into the human system but there are some species that have their interest in humanity they need the experiences of humanity there are other species that help to you know balance out the influences that different species have put up uh, on humanity and some species um,
2: intermingled with um, humans To get advantage about them at some point you both mentioned numbers about how many hybrids you know you have encountered so how many hybrids are like walking amongst us are you saying these are ones that you've heard about in space and in the universe but amongst us what kind of specifics you can give me about them like subspecies yeah Yeah, subspecies right guess hundreds
3: what do you think yeah at least yeah yeah, at at least least. yeah i have a friend who uh, lives in las vegas and i need to try and see if I can get a copy of this photograph because I've seen this photograph and she's a little reluctant to share it, but uh, she had a friend who was working security at one of the casinos who sat you know, behind looking at all the cameras and luckily he pulled out his phone and snapshotted the screen that this was happening on before the camera went out. So he's sitting there watching the blackjack tables and watches the cameras, watches these two guys come in wearing shirts and slacks, like white shirt, white slacks, pale, pale white skin, Big heads, small, normal human size, but black eyes. So there was probably some kind of a hybrid, maybe some kind of a human aid or whatever. But from what I understand, there's some of these guys that work uh, at Nellis and out at the test site, and they come into Vegas to, you know, drink, smoke, and gamble. So apparently these guys come in. Uh, one guy's got a drink in his hand. Another guy got a drink and a cigarette in his hand. They come and sit down at the blackjack table. The picture is two guys sitting at the blackjack table. One guy's leaning with a cigarette like this. He's got his drink in his hand. The other guy's standing there, I mean, Looks up when he apparently looked up at the camera as the guy was, uh, it was when the whole screen went blank. So he luckily pulled out his phone and took a snapshot. But then he calls down to the pit boss and says, Yeah, uh, do you see those guys, uh, sitting at the blackjack table? And he's like, I mean, those, uh, two businessmen in suits. And he was like, Uh, really? And so apparently the people who were on the floor saw them as guys wearing suits, but like, they- illusion didn't go through the camera so when the guy looked at the camera he's like oh shut it off but apparently they were able to cast some kind of psionic illusion because if it was a hologram the camera would have also seen the hologram so they were projecting some kind of a psionic illusion that they're just guys in business suits when they were clearly hybrids going into drink smoke and play blackjack true
1: i've experienced that with a reptilian species that came to me on a party an event and they seem to project out an appearance Interestingly enough, they came to me and said, oh, are you a chameleon too? <laughs> and they misconfused me with uh, one of those, one of them. You know? Interesting. I said yes, because I was thinking in my head about my, my you know, my philosophical mission right. on Earth. And so I would say, yeah, I feel like I'm a chameleon too. And he was then um, talking to me like uh, about, uh, I have this and that amount of uh, galactic credits. Um, you know, I've stolen them and I have already this amount. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And later on I realized that there's something like galactic credits in the uh, universe. Yes, absolutely. So also one thing, because you mentioned Las Vegas, um, we were talking about that, Emery, <laughs> that some extraterrestrials seem to enjoy Disney World. Yeah. Yeah, you know about that? Yeah, and comic conventions. Those are the no they are comic book conventions. They not good there. Oh, because they fit right in. Or if they're wearing a costume, you don't see it. Or sometimes they're not wearing a
0: costume. Or they wear a costume over there. Yeah, they love hanging out. Speaking things. about drawings. Yes. I have this interesting story, personal story, private story. I have spoken
1: about that, um, you know, very vaguely in, in one of the first episodes. I was in the German forest. We had this, um, you know, hut or something rented um, people were, you know, having fun in the party down there. I was in the front of the building, suddenly outside there was some kind of light. I was seeing that through the windows and um, I was. You know, looking for what's happening outside, and there were two beings that I've never ever experienced before, never seen them before. Pretty much larger than myself, at least two meters, like maybe 210 to twenty, okay. about okay. that. Okay. Yellowish skin. Mm-hmm. They asked me if they can, you know, come closer. Um, so they're very, very gentle in the way they approach me, which is great because otherwise maybe i have freaked out or something. I said yes. They said they spoke German. Interestingly sure. enough. So I said, yes, if you're, you know, a friend, you can speak to me. They came to me with a very short conversation and they told me I'm protected and that they wanted to, you know, make me a new bed. And then they were gone. They went outside. They disappeared somewhere in the forest and gone. I made a drawing and I want to show this to you. And because I looked in the files, I found nothing about
3: them. And maybe you can have like a look on it. Yeah, so I've seen a group of these people one time. So I've been to the Intergalactic Space Station a number of times for mostly escorting diplomat missions. I've talked about that before. There were these tall, yellow guys with these big heads, and I remember saying to one of them, I like, what in the world is that? And he was like, oh, the banana heads. And because they've got this you know, big head that's kind of like a yellow banana, and um, I was like, that's- that's kind of rude. He was like, ah, no, you know, we, you know, they're banana heads. We're naked monkeys. It's, it's okay. So there's a little bit, like, you know, having fun with each other. It doesn't necessarily have to mean an insult. Uh, but apparently, they're evolved from some kind of mollusk. Oh. Yeah, uh, which has something to do with the texture of the body and the color of the skin and so forth, and why their heads that way. But my understanding is they're uh, pe- fairly peaceful. You know, I mean, not saying that they're, you know, a peacemaker species, but they're fairly peaceful. Uh, involved in a lot of trade and. They have a pretty, a pretty solid science core, so their scientific divisions are usually interested in helping other planets coming along. I'd say, from what I understand, they might only be mm, maybe two or three thousand years, like technologically ahead, which is not that far when you're talking about, you know, intergalactic technology. So, but I've only only seen them once. But uh, the ambassador called them the banana heads, which again is not necessarily rude. Um, and. Yeah. You mentioned where they came from, and it was some star system that starts with a Y that
2: is escaping my brain at the moment, but I only just randomly once, so that's about all I know. But they seem really nice. It sounds like it was a really good uh, protection message for you, for your journey.
1: Probably, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to meet you in order to, you know, share some information and to get that, you know, asking you if you know something about them. So thank
2: you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I know a little bit. There you go. So let's talk about these hybrids walking amongst us. I mean, what is their agenda? My understanding is most of them work here. Mm-hmm.
3: Most of them are contractors. Right. They work with various that's covert that's programs. That's right. They're helping out their engineers, scientists, mechanics. You know, they're contractors. Sure. Uh, in some cases, not the most brilliant, not the smartest. They're contractors. They're smart, they're good at their job, and they're helping out do stuff. Now, we also know of that. Like, if we were to, to say all of those personnel, and we were to you know, put them in one circle you know, of a pie graph or something, there'd be a certain slice of that pie which would be you know we refer to as spies criminals or you know some form of nefarious uh actor in some way so they're you know a tiny percentage of those that are probably up to no good uh but the majority are contractors they work here they're working for a government or military agency or space agency you know helping to build parts design parts sure you know just be essentially off-world skilled labor that we need to do those jobs because we don't have enough skilled humans to do them so we get some off-world contractors who are often hybrids so they can communicate and hang out and eat our food and breathe our air so yeah. another yeah so another reason seems to be
1: like that some species are looking for a way to communicate with um, humanity and for example grays that have placed um, a species species that is in pop culture called uh tall whites i guess so those are essentially hybrids coming from grays in order to you know path way for contact which is their approach to think that it's more natural for us to speak and communicate with them, they still, you know, look a little
3: exotic to the human eye, I guess. So, right. range four, hairy. So uh, Range 4 Harry was a, a, a ghost that used to wander the Nevada test site. And people who would work out there would see, oh, I saw, you know, Range 4 Harry. And they'd basically say it's a tall guy in a suit who seems like a ghost because he's all white and kind of pale and glows. And they would just think, ah, it's a ghost, but they called him Range 4 Harry. And it was just, you know, a tall white who was wandering out, you know, in the dark
2: at night. And they'd spot him and they would just say it was a ghost and nicknamed him Range 4 Harry. Is it possible for a hybrid to be on the planet and have a high political position or military position that could be working in a nefarious way oh interesting so so that's an interesting question
3: uh i would say from what i understand that's not as likely as some people might think it is because if you're if you're actually making a regular hybrid which isn't the same thing as an augmented hybrid which you're very much picking and choosing which genetics to go in and we'll talk about what those two are yeah but if you really are just like okay um you know this person is uh we'll just use an example and say it's a zeta reticulin and a human and they're like already oh, we need to make a hybrid so that we can communicate better so that we have an interactive person and then they basically do pretty standard uh breeding intermixing so that you end up with something that's a blend and so if a species was really not like us and they wanted to make a hybrid it would be a real blend and unless it looked just like us it would look pretty different So if we're talking about uh, the question, if hybrids can get into high positions uh, on
1: on, in the Earth system, I think that that can happen. So I don't think that hybrids that look totally exotic uh, would have the abilities to, you know, blend into the system. But um, a lot of hybrids, because they have different experiences, they have different uh, genetic profiles and a different set of skills and skill levels, they pretty easily can maneuver inside of this uh, Earth system. So I know that some of the great hybrids can or have uh, they naturally find it easier to to um, rank highly in some some positions. I also think that some hybrids are, you know, contracted by the military or at least working in the military. if we're talking about totally exotic ones, then I think it's, um, it would be impossible to blend, right. in. It blend in. Yes. So
2: let's talk about the definition of what is a hybrid. And I'm glad you said the other one, augmented hybrid, because those are two kind of different definitions there. Would you like to start? Sure. I'll make it as easy
3: and relatable as possible. So I have two children. I have a daughter and I have a son. My daughter is also a marine. She is an augmented marine like me, so she has been genetically mixed and augmented and switched. Uh, so she is an example of a hybrid augment because of the DNA that they placed into her strain like they did into mine. I'm not, they're probably not identical, but they're different, unique. But that would be an augmented hybrid. My son is the result of his and mother and his Terran father, and so he's a hybrid. He, he has no augmentations. We didn't tinker with him or mess with him. That was just Sonaran mommy, Terran daddy, make hybrid baby boy. So that's the pe- perfect example I can come up with since I have one of each. So Does he look more shape. like you or more like... Well, the last time I saw him, he was about this big. Oh. So um, he has his mother's eye. Well, he actually has uh, one Sonaran eye and one Terran eye, so he kind of has his mother's eye and one of mine, which is Hopefully that won't be too hard on him as he's growing up. But hard to say when he was Could he looked more like his mom or me at that age. So we'll see what happens when he gets a little older.
2: What would your definition be, Tim, of a hybrid, uh, a hybridization of human or ET? You know, because there are, of course, hybrids that look just like humans, mm-hmm. um, but they're hybrids. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can explain that.
1: I've never thought about a definition for that, but I think um, if... A species take some of their own genetic material and fuses it with a different um, natural occurring material then we have a hybrid while as renee said it there can be some artificial constructed beings that you know they can be stable to to exist um, um that could be a different definition for a hybrid but i'm in the context we're talking about um i would say it's one species taking their own genetic material and
2: infusing it into some other species i know of clones being made in the projects uh, what could you elaborate on that in your experience with clones randy and tim
0: sure a clone is basically just a copy it's, a, it's essentially a soulless copy of a person my
3: understanding is that there is a requirement that is the tiniest 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 fraction of that person's soul that has to be attached to the physical body so that the cells duplicate beyond 32 or 64 or what it is so there's a limitation they won't grow past that if there isn't some piece of a soul in there but because it's just a teeny 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 little sliver they don't really have one and so they're not considered a person they're not legally considered a person because there's not a soul inside them uh, so they tend to be not very bright. Uh, they tend to be very undisciplined. They can be very difficult to train if you're trying to train a clone to actually fight. That's why we ended up abandoning clone armies because they're a horrible idea. But a clone is basically just a copy. Now, if, in my case, this is not my original body, my original body has been destroyed and then because it was beat up and bruised and old so many times that they had to give me a young one and put me back. So this is a clone body, but I'm not a clone because I'm, as soon as they put my soul into the body, it's now a person. It's now legally a person and it's me and I'm no longer considered a clone, even though the body is a cloned body. So for something to be considered a clone, it has to have no solar consciousness in it. If you take a clone and you put somebody in it, all of a sudden it's now classified as a person and it's no longer a clone. All right. Tim, you explained to me at one point about the transformation of consciousness
0: into the body. So explain to me about c- clones yeah, how that and
2: happen. how you know, that all fits into place. Is there a soul, in a, a spirit,
0: new body?
2: a consciousness, <laughs> and how, how do they do that? At first, we need to define what is a soul.
1: A soul seems to be a container that collects all the experiences that an individual consciousness unit collects over several lifetimes or several um, other experiences. So, and a soul seems to be something that at one point of evolution of an individual is growing, or it's something that starts somewhere. So, not every being has a soul, but it can develop its soul at one point. And it seems that creating or developing a soul is fairly close connected to developing an eye consciousness, which is where the collection of I as an observer starts. And that seems to be the initial moment where a container or soul, you know, starts to grow. And from every life period and whatever experience they they and I has and collects it all went went to to the soul collect um, container and gets integrated into that and from that point decided on where a soul or an individual goes in their spiritual evolution. So if I'm growing a person and
2: making a clone or if I'm 3d printing a person, we didn't get into that yet, where how, how does this this energy from source or this, the soul or yeah. you know, the consciousness enter? Two things. First, um, there are also, or at least it's been said, that there
1: seem to be some non player char- characters, which means there are beings that look like humans, which are approachable, you can talk to them, but they are not consciousness units. So they have no eye, but our own perception of consciousness seems to fill them. The other thing is that invocation or bringing a soul to a an individual or whatever is something that could be done so if randy when randy is talking about clones having no soul and um, if you put in the effort and the energy then my soul and my consciousness could raise a soul in any other being as well and the way i understand it the reason why for example, humans are living so closely together with other species is because they evolve through that So if you have for example, and I know how bad the situation for example in, in some zoos on this planet is I don't think that's the, the best habitat for, for any species But if you have elephants in, in zoos that are closely in relationship to, to humans They for example develop an eye awareness which means when you do an experiment on the ego of elephants you put for example something there and you put a, a like a dot on their face and you have a, a mirror they automatically know oh that's me in the mirror and they're gonna wipe off whatever you color you put on if you have the same species of elephants in the jungle and having no experience and no connection to humanity at all, they tend to to attack the mirror and you know see something else inside of that so being close together for species can be benevolent to them so they raise their eye consciousness and they create a soul so if you have like a pet like a dog or something that you love love and you connect to the dog a lot then this dog totally benefits from that the soul of the dog benefits from that and the eye consciousness of the dog benefits from that and you know, maybe the dog, when it dies, it has so many experience about humans uh, you know, opening all the tents and giving fruit. to the dog, right. you know, it cannot do that on their own. So maybe the soul feels inspired in the next evolutionary step that it
2: gets integrated in humanity. It comes, for example, a human and makes this experience to open the food tent for themselves. Right. It seems like a holographic thing that's being holographically from you to me to Randy the clone over
1: here. Yeah, it's an, so it's an experiencing thing. Um, I awareness needs to be created in order to have a soul. But if I project my own soul into something, then we have the same natural patterns that the universe did in the first place. Because one being that we all are projected itself into lots and lots and
2: infinite objects, things and other forms of life. Is there a group, of people or extraterrestrials or uh, a faction or a government that's behind a specific hybrid program uh, here on planet Earth? Well, as
3: far as the Covert Military Space Program activities are concerned, there, the program that's in charge of that, which is multinational, multi-cooperation, is called Project Mannequin, oddly enough. So I, I know that's the program uh, that manages and sorts all of that. But sure. And, and, and as far as I understand, pretty much everyone participates in that program. It's like, you know, how they make everything for everybody to sure. own replication for all of that. But if one program, that's essentially at the center of that is called
2: project management, right? Tim, you had mentioned to me about the grays, you know, manipulating uh, DNA a long time ago, that's kind of a, basically a hybrid
1: program. Yeah, you could call that, But but they have their own hybrid programs where they put Communicative species as intermediaries uh, on the planet, and also, yeah, doing some work for them. So the agenda is a positive one. Uh, the agenda is basically benefiting the grays and also benefiting the overall evolution of the universe, which uh, seems to be a thing for the grays <laughs> in order to gain back their spiritual and evolutionary path. Are you guys aware of any extraterrestrials making human-looking clones and being sent down to Earth? Yes, so the grays have a technology that I'm aware of where they basically produce a human looking vessel where they project their individual consciousness into that and they can, for example, they also use that in order to communicate with people in a more non threatening way. So again, I don't know if that is true, but it, it has been said to me that there are beings human beings on this planet that do not have obtained an eye awareness they are looking like they are autonomously, you know, moving around and operating, but they seem to be empty vessels. And I know that there are some species that use those empty vessels and project their own awareness inside of them. Probably like looking through a glass window or
2: something and then controlling the human um, that is there. Is it up regulating that human to a higher consciousness? When you do that? No, well, it seems that there are some humans, let, let's
1: call them humans, I don't know, they look like humans, but they're basically non bodies in order to fill up the space of the universe. I'm not sure if that is true, but this is something that I've been told, and some species use that, those empty vessels, because they do not have an, a free, they, well, they could have a free will if they have an eye awareness, but they do not have an eye awareness and they project their own eye awareness inside of them and can use them for a temporal purpose for a short time in order to maneuver around the earth and in order to interact with people what do you think randy
3: yeah the technical word for that is called teleoperation so essentially if um a being of any type is sitting in a chair that's essentially the control mechanism and then chooses either mechanical biological drone, which could be a clone body, could be a human body, could be an alien body, could be a robot, anything at all, is basically remote controlling or using sensory uh, collection so that you can hear, see everything that the drone is essentially experiencing. That's called teleoperation. And we use it. ETs have used it forever and ever and ever. And so, yeah, there are some of these sort of empty vessels that, you know, they use for that and just pop down when they need to use it, drive it around for a minute, use it to talk, make something, and then, you know. Turn up, cut the signal, and then in some cases, you know, these sort of soulless people then just continue it about their lives. Yeah, yeah. But it's teleoperation, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's one of the most common ways in which we've been doing more recently, and other species interact with other worlds without the cross contamination of biology, which bacteria, viruses, and all of that. Really, the simplest way to do that is not to wear a spacesuit, but to actually use a teleoperated body that doesn't have to come back through decontamination. How would you recognize a soulless human being? Oh, the eyes, for sure. Looking into the eyes, the eyes are just hollow. They're just hollow, hollow, empty We call them eight balls. Yeah, that's a good word we for it. We call them eight balls. Yeah, hollow, empty eyes.
0: Sometimes you'll see it just for a second where the, the, the eye will go completely black yeah. for just a second, and then it goes back to normal. Yeah, we truly
3: see each other's souls through the eyes. Right. So when there's nothing there, you know, mm-hmm. the lights are on, no one's home. Yeah, they're, they're empty, hollow i think also because um we have this
1: effect where we project our own awareness you know several meters or even at larger distances when we're trained that it's uh, sometimes you meet somebody and this person you know interacts with you just in the way you want things to turn out and i think that this is a sign of significance for an indicator
2: for projecting your own awareness into an empty vessel that then reacts upon it which has no eye awareness i think that could be an indicator for you know finding that out do you guys believe these hybrids and clones on earth are here to do what i'd say the largest percentage of what they're
3: for is passive intelligence or communication most of them are not used for military purposes or like to kill someone or be an assassin or something like that. Most of it's, you know, passive intelligence gathering or communication, I would say. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be used for another purpose or something that was a little scary. But I think your percentages wise, you're talking about something that presents a very, very low tangible threat to any people whatsoever, let alone the species or civilization at large. Yeah.
2: Are there a lot of extraterrestrial programs with hybrids and clones doing this, uh, you know, here on planet Earth? You mean doing it on the surface? Well, no, they could be making
1: them anywhere and then placing them here on the planet. And for what reason, for what agenda? Oh, yeah. So um, as Remy already said and put it uh, correctly, um, many of those programs about hybrids is to communicate with species or doing some parts in benefit for the mission of the species. So, yeah, that's totally. Are they relaying information back To these extraterrestrials
3: and who are these extraterrestrials involved with these hybrid clone programs we find that the more we look into these programs the more we discover these programs the more our intelligence networks tracks down unofficial presence unofficial activity essentially if you're an extraterrestrial and you're in the solar system or you're within the terran sphere and you don't have your paperwork you're unauthorized to be here or doing whatever you're doing so we've been going through the process of investigating, identifying, tracking down the people without their papers, that they're not supposed to be acting here, and mostly shutting them down as we go through the process. But what we're finding is a majority of them are programs run by other species to do you know, what they think is upgrading or helping people. What we do find is I've had a couple of cases of people who have been dealing directly with these species and the tinkering that they've been doing with them is some of these species are... A little arrogant in the sense that they think, No, 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 we're helping you. We know we're helping you. It's good what we're doing. You don't understand it, but we're helping you. And in their and in their way that they're seeing what they're doing, they think they're really helping. But what we've had to say is like, look, I appreciate that you think you're helping. Do you have any idea what you're putting this person through? Do you have any idea like how much trauma, emotional and psychological scarring you're giving to this person to help them? Like, no, you're doing it wrong. And you know, we have the ability that tell people in these programs to stop and to cease and desist. And there's a whole process for issuing cease and desist orders, which we're finding sometimes works right away, but sometimes still it's like, well, all right, we'll comply with a cease and desist for a moment, but we still know better. We still, we know we're really helping. And what we've also found is then when we deal directly with the programs, after three or four cease and desists, we go, all right, we're going above your head to your chain of command, to your superiors. And often when we go to them, we find that these are rogue covert programs that the people in charge of know nothing about. They don't even know that they're operating.
2: You have mentioned to me in the past, Randy, on a few occasions, that you did capture rogue, cloned, and hybrid uh, program people uh, that were doing nefarious activities and that there are actually teams out there that are actually made for
3: this. Oh, yeah. There are very specific teams that are. their job is to investigate, track, and in some cases, hunt down, capture, or search and destroy. So, yeah, we have some very good people on top of that. Like any criminal investigation process, you have a filtering process of, Every case that pops up, how severe is it? How bad is it? How many people are being affected by it? So we prioritize and go after the worst offenders and uh, often again, try to go through the process of issuing cease and desist so that we don't have to look like we're being thugs because the intergalactic community looks at what we're doing and when we just bang people on the head without using the legal process, they shake their finger at us. But oh yeah, there's definitely some people whose job it is to cut
2: those people down and remove them if necessary. We have been talking about extraterrestrials for most most part of the show with clones and hybrids, but are you guys aware of any corporations or military government, uh, political uh, entities that are making clones uh, for their own agendas? Yes,
3: Um, so it's banned uh, across military intelligence programs. So military intelligence programs are not supposed to be making clones. From our experience, we've also understood that they're a waste of money for the most part. Uh, You can't train clone armies or clone soldiers very well. So. There are probably not too many rogue military intelligence programs at the time. I would say the worst offender are that are private contractor and corporate programs. So they don't give a crap about you know what things they're messing with beyond their ken uh, that they shouldn't be. So mostly it's corporate programs. So we're looking for the cheapest, most effective use of body power, manpower, or growing bodies just to use their <laughs> organs for right organ harvesting.
1: Organ harvest. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tim, as we wrap this episode up. Do you see a time where there's going to be humans and hybrids and possibly even clones living together in the future? Well, one thing is for sure that the different influences that people have on this planet coming from different manipulated species probably has resulted in a, you know, confl- a, a situation rich in conflicts. So a lot of the racial problems um, that people have on, on Earth i'd say comes also from the different species and different subspecies um and manipulations that we have but i also think that the planet is learning more and more how to come together that species even if we look different or have different coming from different regions of the world having different backgrounds um that we're all together here and i assume that because a lot of hybrids have been placed here in order to communicate and in order to you know, approach a more open, um, open scenario of communication that this will eventually be something that
2: every planet and the whole universe, you know, will experience in some time. Any advancement of disclosure? What do you think would help more? Would it be the extraterrestrials, the hybrids and clones? What do you think? I think that
1: the majority, majority of hybrids are put here in order to initiate some kind of contact so putting hybrids onto on this planet uh, is an approach in order to to you know get like the first step. The first step, it's the first step yes. Yeah. I also think that in contrast to that, it would be more beneficial to the soul of, of humans of humanity to uh, actually experience some kind of non-terrestrial being. Um, the best it would be because we talked about correlationalism, which means. The best would be contact with a humanoid species that is a little different, a little, you know, a little different to what we, what people on Earth are, but still relatable. So I think that would be the best. Yeah, maybe because hybrids
3: can be that. So right. this could be a scenario. Yeah. Would what do you say? Think, Randy? Um, I think it could be helpful, uh, but I, I, my concern is that yourself. creating other racial species variations just makes it. for more things for certain people to hate. So, I'm, But I'm not sure that that's not a blanket answer to say that just because you have hybrids or aliens that everyone definitely can a possibility for but sure. I think it's a possibility, and, mm-hmm. and I would have to agree, though, that the most human-like it's a little different is really the best stepping stone transition to that, and to be honest, I'd be concerned for some of their hybrid safety and well-being
2: if people started to talk about, oh, there's hybrids everywhere, oh, I could make some of them very yeah, unsafe Yeah, I can see already laws being made just for them, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. political things. You
3: know, or turn, certainly turning into some kind of, you know, politicization. <laughs> right. or like, I think you know. the best way is to
1: have a humanoid species that is exotic enough to realize we
2: are not alone, right. but still relatable. Oh, that would be agreed. A agreed. Totally agreed. Well, thank you guys for being on the show. I really appreciate having you, as always. Thank you, Emory. Thanks for having me. <sighs> I'm Emory Smith, and this is Cosmic Disclosure. Until next time. Next, on Cosmic Disclosure.
1: Life forms exist that are totally disconnected from every definition
0: of a biological 3D life form that we are aware of here. They were different than us, biologically
4: different. The technology was different. The Vatican came and witnessed. the the landing and exchange and this was these readings. Possibly it's close to infinity how
1: many species and how many life forms are out there.
0: thanks to two hundred and eighty-three K. Today on cause
2: disclosure, we're with Tim. A tactical advisor from Germany who analyzes and suggests various strategies in relation to extraterrestrial groups in contact with Earth. Also joining us
0: today is Richard Doty, a retired counterintelligence agent who served in the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about what are the extraterrestrial alliances and factions here on Earth. Well, I know that uh, in 1947, there was a crash in Roswell,
4: and we recovered a live Uh, extraterrestrial being. He was named IBA-1 and he was in our custody from 1947 to 1952 when he passed away. During that time period he gave us a vast amount of information about his planet and about our planet as they see it. And one of the goals that he had and one of the uh, motivating factors he had to communicate with us is he wanted to go back. He wanted to try to repair his craft and go back. And that set off a number of projects within the government back in those days. And obviously I wasn't there, but I've read about it. There's volumes and volumes of, document, of of projects that involve the communications between the evil one and his planet. And when he died in 1952, he provided us with enough information to be able to contact through a communications process that was highly classified with his home planet in Zeta Reticuli. And over the years, we were able to communicate. Over the years, we were able to make contact with that planet. And they came in 1964, the Holloman Air Force Base landing, and they retrieved the, the bodies of his fallen comrades and of Evil One. So we were able to establish contact back in the, in the, in the 50s and, and early 60s. And we continued that on uh, over a period of right up until now, I'm sure. And I'm sure that Tim can. Can uh, piggyback on that. Information. Was there, was there a, an Eva two? Yes, it was the Eva two. When Eva one died, when the aircraft landed at Holloman, there was a uh, agreement that an Eva two, or a, yeah, a, a ambassador, so to speak, would would come to replace Eva one, and we would then provide some astronauts to go back. Now the conjecture is, did we provide a twelve man team this Project Circle, We don't know about that, or whether it just three people. And I think. Now, the consensus is there was probably just three astronauts that were sent back to, to the planet uh, in the Zeta Reticuli subgroup. Do you know how many of those Eben's are actively on Earth? Because I think that there are different Eben's still working with different governments. Do you know the actual number? As of the 90s, I knew of two. Uh, the two two and Eben three. Mm-hmm. But uh, in one, I believe Eben three was the female. But I don't know any more, more than that. There probably are more, but I, I don't know of any Watch. Rick, you refer to them as Eva One,
2: Eva Two, but how do they actually refer to themselves? Well, they speak in a language that is very
4: difficult for us to understand. But there is a designation they claim. It's a, it's a just a, a guttural sound uh, that our scientists and our translators and linguists have uh, translated over the years. And actually, we were able to copy their language, and and some of uh, some of us or some of the linguists were able to actually speak that language. But they could reproduce the actual sound. They, they, sound they could like? produce the guttural oh. sounds, and I can't make those sounds. So I would probably embarrass myself and everyone else oh. if I made that sound. But yeah. I heard the sound, I heard these different sounds. They,
0: f- they sound very unique. But over the years, somehow, uh, and maybe like Tim can explain to us how the Eben's
4: were able to communicate in English to us because they learned it. Uh, it didn't take long for Eben one, because he was very intelligent to learn English, uh, our scientists, our doctors had to implant something in his throat and I don't know exactly what it was to enable him to, to, to make the sounds that we would have to he would have to make to speak English. But I understand Eva Three, when she came here, she was speaking almost fluent English. And and I'd be interested to know if you know how or how they learned it or or what your uh analysis of that is so the
1: evens as a biological life form they they do have this language Rick told about told us about and as far as I'm aware I think they gave them books in order to prepare them for the English English language and other languages as well yeah That's right. and the grace um, I don't know where they picked that up but they they have really deep knowledge about German and pretty much every <laughs> other language as well Um, And they have this factor that all their consciousness units, which are basically artificial life forms, they are connected to an artificial information system where someone else is operating and giving information, maybe you can imagine as as kind of a download or something. And they then can speak, um, well, in their artificial puppet bodies, they are not speaking German, but they have this technology in where they appear as humans and they then can use the downloaded information in order to speak German
4: one of the things that evil one gave us, uh, was a yellow book. Uh, it was a gift to us. Uh, and it's a history of the universe. And the ironic, ironic part of this is if you look at this yellow book, regardless of, of what your nationality is, you're going to be able to read this or hear it in your native language. Now that's German, Russian. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure that the United States government tested this on a lot of different languages and, you can actually look and, and hear this. Now, when we ask EBA one how can you how can this exist? EBA One said it's explained to us that it it's so far advanced uh-huh. in, in technology that he couldn't even possibly begin to explain how the yellow book worked. And so they had some sort of a linguistic ability. Right. Now I know they visited Earth for a long time. They were able to somehow tap into every one of Earth's languages. And I would be fascinated to hear what true,
1: what you, you thought about that. Yeah, so the greats have the same and I'm aware of a technology that uses the consciousness field of source in order to um, retranslate everything.
0: So if one point of source has this language evolved or something,
1: they use that technology and you see and hear someone speak in your own language, which is a, a direct translation from the consciousness of another person. The interesting thing is that for example, someone speaking Russian, he for himself, he is aware of speaking Russian and the acoustic signal that is you know going out of his mouth is Russian, but when using that technology, what comes to me as a rece- recipient of that language, it is acoustically and physically German. And I hear that in German. That's, That's amazing. Yeah. That's truly amazing.
4: But one of the things Good I minute. wanted to discuss is because of the communications that we established with EBIT's planet, the you know, Zeta Reticuli the star group, and then we we received uh, the ambassador, EBIT-2. EBIT-2 allowed us to project ourselves to other planets. EBIT-2 told us about a number of planets that had visited Earth in the past and because they were sp- space explorers, Eba, right. the Ebans, and he facilitated connections between our planet and this is back in the 60s uh, and 70s uh, with these other
0: ETs. And he made sure uh, – one of the things that was very interesting,
4: he reiterated that he was only going to do this with the, with the conditions that we were not hostile to, to any other, other any of these planets. They were different than us, biologically different. The technology was different. But So, so he was able to facilitate
0: connections with other planets. Do you know how many? I, I don't know how many. I, 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 the, the, the information that I was briefed into – Listening to a Gaia show called "Ambassadors of Zeta Reticuli," clones, hybrids, and ambassadors of Zeta Reticuli! Exclamation points, Gaia shows. Okay, hi there. Welcome back. <sighs> some Gaia shows <sighs> Listening to "Ambassadors of Zeta Reticuli," and they were just saying that thousands we've contacted thousands of other beings, ambassadors of zeta reticuli I know, that are totally disconnected from every definition of a
2: biological 3D life form that we are aware of here. So it's it's close to possibly it's close to infinity how many species and how many life forms are out there how do the extraterrestrials choose you know what governments or what individuals that they want to make contact with uh to speak with
1: there is a concept that is called cosmic correlationalism which means that something that you know as something you're used to is some determines the way you approach someone so if there's a species that has a very high authoritarian governance sy- system, they are used to contact leaders while if, it's, if a species is um, pretty much connected to heart warmth or you know feelings and frequencies um, they will connect to whatever individual is there and it's not uh, you know unimportant of how their education or position or whatever is. Oh, and one thing I wanted to ask Rick: Are you aware of species or humans living inside of planet Earth? So something, and um, because I've heard they were like digging holes and they made contact to people like inside of the pockets of Earth, the Argusen network
4: people inside of uh, inner Earth, subterranean. I know of a couple incidents where uh, U.S. Navy submarines had encountered strange looking entities uh, swimming in the water a number of different locations around around uh, earth and there was a consensus and this was in the this happened from the 60s on there's a former navy submarine commander who talks about talked about this
0: at a ufo convention he gave a very very great lecture on what he
4: experienced uh during his i think 20 year or whatever it was uh submarine experience uh, as as commander of a submarine and this was back in the uh, 70s and 80s and I believe even into the nineties where they observed things coming out of the earth. I don't know how deep they were. I don't think he ever mentioned how deep, but they were at one particular instance and this was off Newfoundland and the sonar identified something at the bottom, something big. And so they went through their battle stations and because they didn't know what it was, they thought it might've been a, this isn't back when the Soviets were had submarines penetrating U S coastlines and they see this, the entity, ET entity with a big, huge head, almost like a praying mantis, but, but 25 to 30 feet long coming out. Now they, their first impression was this is some kind of a, uh, a octopus or some right. sea creature that we don't, don't know about. But as it got closer to the submarine, it had a face and it would, and he said, not at the time, but later on, he figured that this thing came up to the Portals and and he considered them trying to communicate. He didn't. They didn't think about it at the time, but later on he said, "Wow, this entity was trying to communicate with us. So it was intelligent. It was an intelligent, and it swam around and then it went back in to the Earth's crust, or you know, the bottom of the of the, the, the ocean. And there were there's other the, you know, the thrasher that uh, there was an incident. You know, the thrasher in 1964 that disappeared. We lost it. it. lost it off the North Carolina coast. There was so much sonar activity occurring before then that now he mentions that and I'm not saying this, but this Admiral mentioned that he feels that it was, had been attacked by something that came out of the earth crust. Now that's the only information I have about, I don't know anything factual that I've read or somebody told me about during my time in that we had sub uh, subterranean, uh, uh, beings. That's yes, all I've I definitely been
2: debriefed on this on many occasions. And uh, we definitely have huge pockets in the earth that have lots of life, bioluminescent. Uh, even the uh, the atmos- there's an atmosphere in these areas, and they're very, very large. And some of them do have beings in them, and sometimes they do emerge through either of these portals in the Marion Trench, or into these aquifers, or through special cave systems to the surface. But it's very rare because they don't want to contaminate, you know, their atmospheric area. So they try to stay away from being on, on the surface of the planet. We also have special drills uh, that are very long and look like uh, giant anaconda snakes, but in three feet in diameter that actually melt through the crust. And they have cameras on them. And we have perforated many of these uh, large areas. There's a multitude of these areas with, uh, teeming with life. Um, and it melts through the rock and into these
4: areas. And little probes are sent out to look around. Bring back information. Yeah. Well, you considering only about twenty percent of the ocean has been explored. <laughs> right. Yeah. And one of the things that i knew about was some things that happened in the South Indian Ocean, uh, southwest of, of Australia. There's a lot of anomalies that are occurring down there. There's virtually no ship trafficking down there. And the only traffic is is a boat that might service some really remote islands. Kirchline Island is one of them, Heard Island is another. And so there are scientists that feel that if there were going to be subterranean beings they would be in that area because nobody explores it number one no there's no ship traffic down there it's close to antarctica and so they feel that and and all these anomalies that have occurred down there the few ships that do travel through there see uh, a number of ufos flying uaps flying in that area and a lot of underwater phenomena. One particular ship that serviced the Kerguelen Islands, claimed it had been tracked by this huge submarine, but there wasn't any submarine in that area. There would be no reason to. Eventually, a US uh, Navy submarine, 24 hours later, went down there and tracked something that went towards Antarctica, but then lost it. So if there's life in the ocean, uh, I think there's scientists and I, I actually think that it would be down in that area where nobody's looking. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that because I've never been to any,
1: you know, inside pocket of the Earth. But communicating with being six, they spoke about the allegedly story that at some point there had been some big cataclysmic moment on Earth where some of the ancient people decided to go underground and to continue their life there. Um, and it might be the reason why we find so many species on this
0: planet that suddenly disappeared. For example, in South America, we have buildings and structures for millions and millions
1: of people, and they have never ever discovered anybody, no skeleton at all. They just are gone. And that was one of the stories that this being six told me about the history of Earth. So I'm really interested in learning what's inside of it. And also, allegedly, those, those, those alliances or those people, those parties are in contact with governments at some point they became aware that the, there are humans inside of earth populations and they seem to be in contact about
2: what's going on with earth in the future as well can you name some more of these extraterrestrial uh, alliances and how are they influencing us i would you know summarize
1: that that we have two types of you know species or beings entities whatever you want to call them that interact with humanity in a direct or even a less direct way. You have one more evolved beings, which means they are higher in their frequency. They have a different take. They might have come through a three dimensional experience, but now they um, ascended from that and they are reaching back. In some way or another the second uh, thing is that we have 3d species outside of this planet we have in some way or another an interest in either protecting or observing humanity or at some times um, you know using advantages over them do we know which species are there to help planet earth and humankind and those who maybe don't want to help do you know like so, if, we, if I put it in, in, in pictures, I would say that the amount of beings that are benevolent in some way or another are like pieces or like, like sand on beaches. Like, you have an enormous amount of beings and definitions of entities or something that are benevolent to the process on Earth, and like billions and billions of there, The amount of you know, 3D body species
0: right, that might be uh, in you know, the, the history of Earth and, and the system is a fairly quite small number, I guess. I'm talking
2: maybe about some, some hundred species. Okay. Yeah. Now, Rick, there's got to be some sort of documentation you read of an agenda of, you know, if there were an alliance to happen or the meeting that did happen and uh, in White Sands, how did that turn out? Did you get any documentation uh, if there was going to be a positive alliance with any Mm -hmm. of those species? There was actually, there was obviously
4: a a very close alliance with the Ebens because of the fact that they were very impressed with the way we treated the the injured one in the crash. We didn't harm him. Uh, We we, uh, guarded the bodies of the other one, of his comrades, and we were able to effectively communicate using what people one told us and direct them to come back uh and and, and recover the, the, the bodies so they were very impressed with us and that's why they offered then agreement to uh exchange ambassadors so to speak right so we sent and it's still uncertain whether we sent three or twelve but we sent some people back sure some astronauts back and then they left uh eba two and then eventually Eva three and as i understand they've they've had others but i don't know that i mean as far as my actions and my knowledge within the government, I don't know that. Outside, I've heard a lot of, a lot of chatter about that. There are others that have came here. One particular meeting occurred sometime in 2010 on Johnson Island, which is a very remote island, uh, where the Vatican came and witnessed the, the landing and exchange. And this was, these were evens that I know. And there may have been other uh, ambassadors coming. I, I don't know, but I only know about, about the evens. And they have, as I understand, a very good relationship with, with our government. And I'm sure other governments too, but I don't even know about our government. One of the things that President Reagan was briefed on uh, back in the 80s was about the effective relationship that we had with with, a, with this ET force and ET race. And what he wanted to form some kind of a treaty is to, for them to assist us in protecting Earth from the hostile uh, ETs. And we knew at that time that there was one particular uh, race of ETs that was hostile, that their agenda on earth was more or less uh to for their own uh, well-being rather than the earth's well-being now a lot of people will argue that that doesn't necessarily mean they're hostile they just have their own agenda that they want to uh satisfy on earth and it's not necessarily going to harm the humans but one of their agendas that we found out was abductions and we uh, you know we were hand tied i mean i worked those things and Mm -hmm. These, things, these ETs would come in and we had no control. We couldn't we couldn't protect our, our people. And one of the things that Reagan wanted to do was they, he wanted to form alliances with the friends, the friendly ones. And he wanted to help protect Earth from the hostile. Do you know what species that hostile one is? That was the reptilians. The reptilians. Those are the ones that are responsible